0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Good afternoon. Since I became Attorney General, I have made clear that the Department of Justice will speak through its court filings and its work. Just now, the Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was of premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. The department did not make any public statements on the day of the search. The former president publicly confirmed the search that evening, as is his right. Copies of both the warrant and the FBI property receipt were provided on the day of the search to the former president's counsel who was on site during the search. The search warrant was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. The property receipt is a document that federal law requires law enforcement agents to leave with the property owner. The department filed the motion to make public the warrant and receipt in light of the former president's public confirmation of the search, the surrounding circumstances, and the substantial public interest in this matter. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. All Americans are entitled to the even-handed application of the law, to due process of the law, and to the presumption of innocence. Much of our work is by necessity conducted out of the public eye. We do that to protect the constitutional rights of all Americans and to protect the integrity of our investigations. Federal law, long-standing department rules, and our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the Department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. Third, let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated patriotic public servants. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. This is all I can say right now. More information will be made available in the appropriate way and at the appropriate time. Thank you.
2: All right, that uh, good job, Chris. That is Merrick Garland, uh, Attorney General of the United States. Uh, Very, uh, very rare and unusual situation in our country right now. The Attorney General coming before the public uh, because he's under siege from the right. All right, just think about this for a moment. Later, he's under siege from the right uh, with accusations that they've gone too far. My whole life, and I'm an old guy. I'm an old baby boomer. Okay, my whole life, if there's been accusations of prosecutorial overreach, of the Justice Department going too far, of the FBI going too far, it's coming from the left. I've lived through so many moments. And by the way, hearings about how the FBI spied on Martin Luther King, how the FBI engineered a raid uh, on the, uh, uh, in the apartment on the west side that killed Fred Hampton and Mark Clark while they were sleeping. Uh, it was an operative of the FBI who fed them a drug. I'm relating this as history that I have lived through. And in each of those moments, it was activists and lawyers on the left who were challenging the motives, the unconstitutional, uh, unconstitutional behavior of the FBI. people on the left challenging and people on the right falling in line to defend them and saying, how dare you? Oh my God! I think about the Chicago Eight trial, Chicago Seven trial. This is ancient history to you, millennials. I understand, but this goes up all throughout my life uh, into the '80s and the '90s. It's always been like the FBI, the Justice Department. What the, uh, when the they're like extensions of the police when it comes to the right. Now all of a sudden, because Donald Trump is the target of their investigation, a man of the right who has come to symbolize the right, who's the leader of the right, who's actually branded the right. It's no longer the right, it's MAGA, a name that he came up with. It's his name. I, I say it all the time because Donnie Trump said He goes MAGA, he speaks of MAGA like it's a living being. MAGA likes you, MAGA's nice, MAGA likes me. So he's rebranded the right, he's taken over the right. <laughs> and so the FBI's going after him. Got accusations that he's hoarding documents. He took documents from the White House that he shouldn't have taken. Who knows what's in those documents? Last night, the Washington Post broke a story. It could be nuclear uh, secrets. Who knows? It was like nuclear records, uh, having to do with bombs. If bad people get it, they could build a bomb. You know, they're putting all this information. And I noticed that the New York Times did not pick that story up, by the way, yet. It's still the Washington Post sort of hanging out there. And anyway, the point is, Now it's the right. It sounds like Abby Hoffman and the left. They've gone too far. They're manufacturing evidence. You can't trust them. You know, we have to stand up for our sacred liberties. We will fight this all the way. We believe you. (laughs) I don't even know what's in there. This is a grifter, by the way. This is what's so weird about it. There is nothing in Donald Trump's background, his past, that would lead you to believe he would tell the truth about something. Nothing. His whole history, his reputation is built on what? Like, like, let's say it's a business deal. He says, I'm going to sell you this building for $100. And all of a sudden, you think you got a deal? He goes, no, I think I'll sell it to you for $50. That's his whole history, backing away from agreements, <clears throat> not paying his bills. Okay. You know, kind of making stuff up as he goes along. He jokes about it. He laughs about it. And somehow or other, we're supposed to trust him. That's what the right, MAGA, falling in line. And now there, and And it's even weird. Donald Trump's picking this stuff up. It's like up is down and down is up. Donald Trump came out of a deposition in New York the other day. There's a picture of it. And he had his fist in the air. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so you, what are you, Angela Davis? Yeah. You have to look that one up, millennials who see that. The point is, a radical from the past, that's what radicals used to do. They used to put their fists in the air. Now right-wingers, MAGAs, got their fists in the air. They want to be so bad, like Abby Hoffman or Jerry Rubin. Up is down, is down is up. And that was Merrick Garland, Attorney General, uh, from uh, Lincolnwood in suburban Chicago. If it's a Chicago-based podcast, got to point out there's a Chicago connection. So this matters to you people. Went to Niles West High School, should be on the Supreme Court. Uh, he was Barack Obama's nominee to be on the Supreme Court. Mitch McConnell blocked it, so you could say some guy in the right would say, "Oh, this is just his getting vengeance." Well, go, well, if that's the case, he'd be raiding Mitch McConnell's apartment or house, not Donnie Trump. Trump wasn't the president or in the Senate or anything when his uh, nomination was blocked. But this is a fascinating. We're going to be following this one for a long, long time because here's the deal: it's like a game. It's a, a bluff. So uh, Donald Trump was the one who called attention to the raid. The raid happened Monday night. Uh, they're looking for documents, allegedly, supposedly. I don't know. They haven't come right out and said exactly what they're looking for. Uh, and they're looking for documents, presumably, that Trump took from the White House that didn't belong to him. They've been negotiating with him for a long time to bring him back, and he's been stonewalling and stalling. Oh, there you go. Come on, right? Admit that that's what Donald Trump does. Stonewalls. <laughs> that's, his, that's his thing. Like, he doesn't pay a bill. And so sooner or later, the contractor who did the service has to come to him and go, okay, I'll, I'll reduce my uh, fee. That's how he negotiates. So, you know, that's how he's dealing with the government. Government says, you have these uh, documents. He goes, no, I'm not giving them to you. Like, it's just a standard operating procedure. I'm not going to give them to you. So it's been months, back and forth, lawyers talking to other lawyers. And finally, the feds say, all right, we're going in. We're just going to take it. And then Donald Trump says, this is an unwarranted intrusion into my sacred home. And MAGA goes berserk. They're up in airs. air. This is an unwarranted intrusion. Whatever he says, they follow. Hilarious. They're all Abby Hoffman now. Could have used you guys back in 1970, 69, when, uh, when the feds were mounting a non-existent case against Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin. Just saying, could have used you in 1969 when the feds raided Fred Hampton's apartment on the west side. You were nowhere to be found freaking worthless when we need you and now you're standing up for this grifter anyway i'm with you on this point i want to know i i have a curiosity i i never really buy the arguments that these are uh state secrets they got to conceal them from no 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 i want to know i'm like like the original let in the light guy so i want to know what they were looking for i want to know what they found uh so what merrick garland did was he goes okay donnie uh, if you give us permission, uh, we'll release the official warrant uh, that we used uh, to uh, justify going into your uh, Mar-a-Lago home. Now it's up to Donald Trump. See, now he has to decide, well, do I, do I really want to do that? Because, you know, that may there may be some information on there that shows I'm up to no good. And the real deal is, is that the warrant itself is not the go-to document. The go-to document is the affidavit that justified the warrant. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that, like, there was the affidavit that justified, what was it, taping uh, Ed Burke. And that affidavit, which I think it was FBI put it together. It was Justice Department attorney or an FBI attorney. I don't know which one it was or what the FBI is with the Justice Department. It doesn't matter who did it. The point is they released it, to, like, selectively. I think the Sun-Times got it. And I think the Sometimes was the only outlet that had it. This is how it works. They sel- selectively released it to the Sometimes, and the Sometimes would report bits and pieces. And that's how we knew. <laughs> it's not like they released it so that the public could know, so that you'd be smart and wise about what you're. No, no. They selectively. Re- so I know games are played. I know games are played. Absolutely. But I just, uh, I got to get a kick out of it, man. I just. Cracks me up, Merrick Garland's being all Dudley do right. I stand up for law enforcement everywhere. (laughs) He's the Democrat. And meanwhile, the Republicans are out there, it's unjust, they've gone too far, tyranny. I'll I'll end where I began. Hey Republicans, hey MAGA, you were absolutely worthless when we needed. Yeah, I know you younger MAGA go, I wasn't even born yet. Well, your worthless parents were worthless, okay? You come from a long line of worthlessness. Now you suddenly discovered the concept of liberty, government overreach, after it's been used on, like, anybody that resembles me, a lefty. Well, I guess better late than never, but you guys, come on. You make a mockery out of justice.
0: Speaking of better late than never, this episode of The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. Chicagoreader.com for all the things there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and every now and again, what kind of pots you can smoke. Hey, we might talk about that later. More, including columns from our very own Benny J, all available right there. Chicagoreader.com. Ooh, hitting my mic there, but it's all good. August 12, 2022. It's the Ben Jarovsky Show. And oh, what a week it's been. We've seen things and heard things that we haven't seen or heard before. Ben's going to get into all that stuff right now. Benny, take it away.
2: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Old Days Friday, and here's why. Yes, indeed, that voice again. Chris Chaghi sitting in for Dr. D. uh, a much-deserved vacation for the doctor. Uh, And Chris will be uh, leading me through the paces here on Oh, What a Week. Before we get started, though, uh, I'm calling it Old Days Friday. I'll tell you why and this just uh, popped into my brain when we turned on our uh, our computer when I connected with Chris so uh, I could see him he can see me none of you can s- see us cuz we're audio only somehow the Bendraska show hasn't figured out how to do uh, video as well as audio we're working on it all right we have a team of millennial uh like techy guys in a back room working on it <laughs> everybody else has figured it out but i haven't figured it out yet uh, anyway uh, chris uh, as we've said a couple times on the show uh, used to work at WCPT, as did I. Uh, Chris w- left WCPT under better circumstances than I did. That's okay. Everybody did. Uh, but anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, he was in charge of promotions when I was there, and he put together a poster uh, to promote my show, the Benjirovsky Show. Uh, and I hadn't seen this poster, ladies and gentlemen, in four years. It's a uh, it's a picture of a Corona typewriter, uh, and uh, the only letters on the typewriter. Are uh, the T, the H, the E, the B, the E, the N, and to spell out the Ben Jarovsky show, et cetera, and so forth. And I thought it was pretty clever. You know, when I saw, it, I was like, "Oh man, Chris, that's really." I remember when you did it. Chris. I'm like, "Oh, that's." Really... <laughs> oh man, everybody else is like, oh, I don't get it. Well, nobody knows what a keyboard is, Chris. I know.
0: If you're in Chicago and you know political news, you know that Ben jarovsky has been a writer for years. I mean, you've interviewed some of the, I mean, and, and you go at toe to toe with some of the, some of the crooked, I mean, I almost feel like you're the MJ of political like interviews because you cross over these guys.
2: Well, if, if I'm the crossover guy, I'd be more like a uh, Allen Iverson. Uh, he yeah. had a great crossover our, our Kyrie Irving. Uh, yeah. But so, yeah. So the point was I had been um, as, uh, as Chris was saying, but doing it uh, writing columns for years in the newspaper game for years. So let's, Link this guy to his uh, newspaper past. Let's put a typewriter up. Uh, and when they put me on radio, it was like linking his newspaper past uh, to his radio yeah. podcasting yeah. future. And only two people, I think liked it Chris and me. Yeah. Uh, nobody, and nobody so, else got it. <laughs> nobody else got it or That's cared good. about it anyway. so old days, I uh, saw that uh, that poster, and it's just like brought back uh, memories. All right. Without further ado about the poster, I'm going to turn things over to Chris. Uh, he's got. He's going to take the dentist role as we go through a week's worth of news. Take it away, Chris.
0: Okay. Let's find out what happened this week in the political realm. In national news, the national news actually was the biggest news of the week. I mean, we heard in the intro, uh, Merrick Garland kind of giving a little bit of info that will be released soon on what was in this search warrant for Trump's house. In the local news, we find out that the Illinois GOP has proved they haven't lost their tickets to the Trump train. They have released a statement criticizing Attorney General Merrick Garland, calling his actions since the Trump raid as an unprecedented breach of tradition. Ben, these guys really just, they're hooked. They're like leeches to Trump. I mean, it seems like they they really don't have any other way to survive other than just, just feeding off of Trump. Right. I yeah. mean, is that is that a true statement, you think?
2: Absolutely. All right. So uh, did that came that statement you just read that came from the Illinois Republican Party? Is that correct? Yeah. Was that your was that report? OK.
0: Yes. Actually, that statement came from uh, Illinois GOP
2: chairman Don Tracy. Don Tracy. OK, so here's the deal. Here's the deal for Republicans in the state of Illinois. Uh as I've said many times and written many times, uh, the Republican Party has been taken over by MAGA. MAGA controls the Republican Party. MAGA is uh, very, very obviously popular in uh, areas where uh, heavy concentration of Republican voters does, like Alabama, Texas, Mississippi. That's where MAGA will be strongest. Uh, MAGA will not be strongest statewide in Illinois. Illinois has huge pockets that are blue or purple. Uh, and Donald Trump is not really popular, even in purple areas, they're not really popular. It's almost like, can we just get rid of this guy? You know what I mean? I mean, so somebody who is well-to-do and lives in the suburbs and uh, may love the tax break that the Republicans uh, passed on to him back in to, uh, 2017, uh, but uh, they just find Donald Trump unseemly, or maybe they're for abortion rights, et cetera, and so forth. He's not really popular, obviously. So what's Maggie to do in the state of Illinois? What's the Republican Party to do in the state of Illinois? The Republican Party's uh, challenge in a state like Illinois, like a state like Maryland, like a state like Boston, is to come up with a candidate, a leader, who is moderate enough to bring over swing voters, to bring over uh, moderate Democrats, independents, people who are for abortion rights, uh, that kind of thing. And there's tons of them here in the state of Illinois. You could get elected governor as a Republican in the state of Illinois by winning over swing voters, We've seen it happen. 2014, Bruce Rauner was elected largely because A, he had a lot of money, that helped. B, he exploited divisions in the Democratic Party, that helped Patrick Quinn, the governor at the time, was not exceedingly popular. Uh, but three, most important, in my humble opinion, he absolutely assured voters that he was pro-choice. He had his wife uh, go out and make statements to that effect. And the, the two of them, Bruce Rahner and Diana Rauner, uh, had given money uh, uh, to Planned Parenthood. They, so they had made contributions to abortion rights groups. So they, they, they had uh, validation uh, in this area. And he was victorious. Before him, oh my God, we had Jim Edgar. We had Jim Thompson for years and years and years a vetoing a anti-abortion legislation coming out of uh, Springfield. That's legislation that was passed, ladies and gentlemen, to a large degree with Democratic votes. Just think about this. And it would come before a Republicans uh, governor and he vetoed it. Just think about where Illinois was in the 80s and the 90s with the Republican Party. That hasn't changed. The basic equation has not changed. If you're a Republican and you want to get elected statewide, you have to more or less be a moderate. And I know things have moved to the right, even with moderates, They're moderates today are not where they were, let's say in the 80s or even the early 90s, but it's still more to the left than where Trump is. But no, so intense are the MAGA forces that control the Republican party that they have determined that they cannot deviate in any way from the most extreme wing, which is the party. And so here in Illinois, Illinois Republicans cannot like have more of a neutral attitude about the raid at Donald Trump. Even Illinois Republicans feel compelled to go along and trash the FBI and trash America. And this is, this is different folks. I could tell you it goes back there is a tradition among Illinois Republicans working uh, closely with Democrats. I'm gonna go way back. There was a Senator named Dirksen before any of you who were born. A very powerful and popular Senator, Republican Senator out of Illinois, close friend, close ally of both uh, John F. Kennedy and LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, Linda Baines Johnson. In fact, there's recordings uh, LBJ was making secret recordings of con- phone conversations he had uh, when he was the president in the White House. And there's some classic recordings, which I urge you, if you're really a geek and a junkie and a his, you really love your history, go back and listen to Dirksen working in conjunction with LBJ. LBJ making, uh, s- speaking very candidly to Dirksen about his attitude about Richard Nixon, revealing things that in total confidence to this Republican. This is the tradition of Republican politics. But now, <laughs> Open window, throw out. Don Tracy is total MAGA. And I, listen, I don't know how it works. We have not uh, elected a MAGA man or woman statewide yet. Donald Trump, I forget what he got in Illinois. Forty-two percent of the vote, something like that. Pretty, pretty much a trouncing. You know, I can't think of any. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I can't think of any. Trumpster who's been elected statewide. Oh, I know, if you gerrymander a district, a Trumpster will win uh, as Congress, or state rep, or state Senate. And uh, if the party has turned itself over to MAGA, then they'll nominate a statewide candidate like Darren Bailey, uh, who uh, you know bows down to Donald Trump. But to win in a general election statewide, that's why Kenny G, Kent Griffin, was pouring money into Richard Irvin. Because he assessed the landscape and said, oh, there's no way a MAGA man will win statewide. I need to protect uh, <laughs> myself from uh, escalating income taxes, and I, I can't stand J.B. Pritzker anyway. So I'm going to put my money on a quote-unquote moderate, Richard Irvin, who's basically a Democrat, although he somehow or other uh, was transforming himself into Republican. He got crushed. And what did G do? He left the state, <laughs> went to Florida, where now his best pal with Ron DeSantis because he knows you can elect a MAGA man statewide in Florida, you can't elect one uh, in Illinois. Uh, so Chris, when I, when I hear that, that comment, I just, just shake my head. You know, uh, I, I had wanted Richard Urban uh, to take a stand against uh, Donald Trump, I particularly talk, take a stand against him on the January 6th insurrection. I thought that that would have been uh, more in line with who he was uh, and more consistent with the public career he had before he decided to run in the primary. He didn't see it that way. He obviously, his uh, advisor said, don't even, the the best way to deal with Trump is to pretend he doesn't exist. And so this is the Republican, this is their strategy (laughs) for a statewide candidate. Just Just pretend the loudest man in the room that everyone's paying attention to doesn't exist. So, that's the Republican Party uh, in the state of Illinois. Had Irvin run an anti-Trump sort of Adam Kinzinger, Lynn, uh, Liz Cheney campaign, I don't know if he would have won. He would have been truer to who he was. He would have had more credibility. Uh, he probably would have finished higher than third in the race because nobody bought his act. Uh, and, uh, but there's nobody in the state of Illinois willing to, uh, to play the role of the moderate. So there we go. Falling in line once again. The Illinois Republican Party.
0: There we go. And uh, one other member of the Illinois Republican Party who's kind of gone back and forth on the is- on an issue. Let's see if you can grab this piece of audio. You know who he is. He's going back and forth.
2: He's got Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't hear it. But that, I, is uh, <laughs> <Did> you- <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. That All Darren right. Bailey. It was
0: it was um, really hard to find this audio. I had to find audio of Darren Bailey. He's been going back and forth since, what, 2017 on his uh, on his statements about abortion and, and the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, and now he's doing it again. So this week he has basically, he's gone out publicly in an interview with Mark Harrington from WSPY and basically said the Jewish community agrees with him. Oh, my God. He says the Jewish community has told him that he is right. He's been on both sides of it. He's tried to apologize for his statements, but then he's then he's like, No, I, I'm not wrong. I was I was completely right. Here's other people to, to back me up. And look, they're they're in the Jewish community. Yeah. Um he doesn't really have a lot of facts to back that up. No one has fact checked and and gotten the source who supposedly agrees with him. But he's still touting that.
2: All right. Uh, by the way, when you when open the back, couldn't hear it for some reason. But it's funny because uh, the Dennis has this uh, a bit where uh, another gubernatorial candidate is going back and forth, uh, Gary Rabine, playing ping pong. So what well, first I thought is, did you uncover that Gary Rabine, Rabine ping pong? Cover? Is that what it was? Then I heard uh, that is correct. And I go, oh, there's Darren Bailey. I don't want to cut
0: you off too much, but I do have to cut in. That is actually the great Gregory Hines tap dancing i had to i couldn't oh. find the actual audio of darren bailey so i had to get the next best thing <laughs> it's actually a better thing if you ask me
2: oh uh, yeah gregory hines may rest peace one of the great dancers of all time um all right uh so let me break this down a little bit we've talked a lot about this on the show i wrote a column about it this week and uh yeah darren bailey okay so this is an example of what i'm talking about uh of where the republican party in the state of illinois is right now and as i said uh, no Republican has ever been a uh, one statewide office, as far as I can recall, being extremely uh, anti-abortion in the state of Illinois. Uh, so if you're going to win, it's sort of a, a rule of thumb. If you're going to win uh, statewide as a Republican, you have to be pro-choice. They'll allow you to be anti-union, as they were with Bruce Rauner. Uh, they'll allow you to be sort of conservative on pocketbook issues, Uh Jim Thompson was sort of conservative on pocketbook issues, more or less. And eh, not really Jim Thompson. Them. Uh, really hasn't been uh, a uh, candidate that got elected statewide right, that was really tight-fisted, except for Bruce Rahner. Uh, But you have to be pro-choice. Uh, not only uh, Darren ba- is Darren Bailey not pro-choice, he's an extremist. Uh, he believes that a fertilized egg uh, has, is every bit as much uh, as a human being as somebody walking around in the world. Somebody out, out of the womb, into the world, you know, existing, so you could see them. And uh, and so as such, if you have this point of view, this absolute point of view, uh, then it's murder. Abortion is murder. That's in his mind. It's fixed. And so what they do, uh, people have this point of view. Uh, they just tally up the number of abortions there have been since Roe. Uh, Was uh, enacted in 1973, uh, and then says that total number is more than pick. Pick uh, an example of genocide, Holocaust, you know Rwanda, Cambodia. I don't know if MAGA knows about these other things, but any instance of genocide that has existed in the world, you could just pick that and you can say, well, abortion is worse because more people were killed, as though again. A decision by a woman and her doctor as to whether to have a a child when the child is in embryonic form is somehow akin to Nazi soldiers just mowing down people, just lining them up in front of a ditch and mowing them down. That's how twisted and weird the point of view is, in my humble opinion. And that's uh, Darren Bailey's position. So when he was running in 2017, let's just take you back in time, ladies and gentlemen, to this. 2017, Darren Bailey was running at an incumbent state rep from the right. It was Republican. An incumbent Republican in a downstate district, and Bailey was coming at him from the right. And to defeat that incumbent, he had to out him. He had to be more extreme than that incumbent. And so he gave a Facebook speech to his followers, in which he said that the... um. The abortions that have occurred in our country uh, since Roe uh, are more awful, more abhorrent than uh, the attempted extermination of the Jews in World War II. He said that. He said that in 2017. About two weeks ago, that bit was unearthed by a reporter for The Forward magazine put out there. And it's an awful statement. It's intolerant. It's uh, dismissive of the people who were slaughtered by the Nazis, it turns them into what, it weaponizes their death into some kind of talking point, uh, some absurdist talking point, I might add. It trivializes them, and marginalizes them. And it kinda, and this is the part that really gets lost. it sort of like, I don't know, it's deflects from the crimes of the Nazis. i like saying they're not that bad. And you got to remember, in 2017, that's when Nazis were walking through Charlottesville, Virginia, chanting, Jews will not replace us. That, that was, uh, that, I'm having flashbacks when I see that sign of my old show on CPT. We were talking about that in 2017. That's a very scary moment. And Donald Trump was like, he didn't want to come down hard on the Nazis. Because, look, I'm not saying that all MAGA people are Nazis but let's be honest folks all Nazis vote MAGA we all know that so if he trashes the Nazis he's like trashing a part of his coalition he don't want to do that and so Bailey made his comments Facebook comments right about three months after Charlottesville I think he was sending out another message that he was ma- maggier then the other guy in the race, you know, I just like, I see a connection between one and the other. I see it a lot with Republican rhetoric after Buffalo, 10 people shot in Buffalo, 10 black people shot in a grocery store by uh, a white supremacist. And uh, I've talked about this in the show, a woman running for Congress in Florida tweeted out, well, they, uh, the sniper still hasn't killed as many black people as Planned Parenthood. Whoa. It's like a cousin of the Darren Bailey remark. It's like reducing and minimizing, trivializing the death and the lives of the people who were killed. So I see what he's going, so again, he could probably get away with it in Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, Texas, Indiana, maybe Ohio, but it's Illinois. He's running in a state that is pro-Democrat by and large. So he has to talk it back. He can't do it 100 percent, Chris. You're absolutely correct. Out of nowhere, he like after he came up with his initial, which was a sort of apology, uh, he started backtracking on the apology and said that there were some members of the Jewish community who told them they agreed with him. (laughs) And they're like, I think it was like Trump with his imaginary police friend. I don't know if you know, remember this one. But back in 2016, when Donald Trump was running for president, he did a campaign appearance in Illinois, maybe it was a fundraiser in Chicago, and he made this comment that he had talked to a police officer, a high-ranking police officer, or a police official Chicago, who said he could up crime in Chicago in three days. He had a plan. He could do it in three days. And uh, he could just, boom, snap his finger. I've been waiting ever since for the plan to be implemented. Well, we know why it wasn't implemented, because he made the whole thing up, Donald Trump. I don't think he talked to any police officer. He had a little imaginary police officer friend. So apparently Darren Bailey has an imaginary Jewish friend who tells him things like, you're a wonderful human being. You're not anti-Semitic at all. Every Jewish person in the state of Illinois agrees with you. It's like this little fantasy figure. Maybe it could be like a sock doll that uh, he puts on his hand and then talks into his ear. I love you, Darren Bailey. I'm Jewish. Some weird stuff, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) This guy is the Republican nominee in the state of Illinois. Republicans, you freaking lost your mind. So, yeah, I uh, he just it's like he dug himself a hole, Chris, and he keeps digging. And I don't know how the hell he expects to get out of this.
0: We'll keep going with some more news here. We got uh, a new candidate here in the Chicago race for mayor in 2023 just announced Sophia King. Fourth Ward Alderman. She's throwing her crown in there because you know she's the king. So king's crown. I don't know. Bad joke. Dennis does better. Entering the race in the platform to fix the violence in the city of Chicago. She wants us to find better solutions together as a city. Ben, this race is getting pretty crowded. Do you think she's got a chance? Is she? Are, are you in Sophia's corner? What do you? What do you? What's your take on this?
2: Well, I'm making no endorsements uh, in the mayoral race yet. I got to see who. Uh, I'm probably not going to make any endorsements anyway. I don't even know if I'm allowed to make endorsements. <laughs> I may confess as to who I voted for. I'm not always the person to follow when it comes to voting uh, in mayoral elections. I confess. Uh, the, in the last election, 2019, I voted for Lori Lightfoot. Oops. <laughs> All my lefty friends have been making fun of me ever since. I, man, she, I believe I whatever she told me. Well, maybe the last to let time the light
0: out. in. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, uh, Sophia King. Uh, your first question, does she have a chance? Yes. And I'll tell you why I think she has a chance. Uh, I've said this many times. I'll keep saying it. Uh, this is a race to see who finishes second to Lori Lightfoot. And, uh, so you got to finish second to Lori Lightfoot. Lori, my humble opinion, Lori Lightfoot will be the top, uh, vote getter uh, in the first round of the mayoral election, which takes place, uh, let's see, March, or I think March of 2023. And, uh, but I don't think Lori Lightfoot will get over 50% of the vote. So you got to get over 50% of the vote in that first round, or there's a runoff between the two top vote getters. So that's just the basic 101 that you have to understand. So all these people that are running are looking uh, to come in second to Lori Lightfoot. And then they want to consolidate, once they're done with uh, that uh, initial uh, race, they want to consolidate all the opposition vote behind them so that they can get the 50% they need to defeat Lori Lightfoot. So I think Sophia King, if you consider she comes from Hyde Park area, Kenwood area, very close to the Obamas. Uh, and um, her, her husband is a prominent uh, attorney downtown, Alan King, very prominent attorney. She has the support, at least tacitly, I think, of Tony Preckwinkle, uh, who is the fourth ward uh, committee woman and the chair of the Democratic Party and who ran against Lori and last time around lost, got clobbered by Lori Lightfoot. So I think she has her tacit support, at least. I don't know if Tony will come out for her publicly. We'll see. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you need. If there's like 20 people running, (laughs) uh, does it take 15% to finish second? I'm not sure. But I think Sophia King could get 15%. Uh, I think she'll be able to raise money uh, thanks to her husband and his connections uh, and her connections to Obama. Uh, And so then let's say she is in the runoff against Lori Lightfoot, she has a path to victory because she could consolidate the opposition. I do not think a Paul Vallis. I do not think a, a person coming at uh, Lori Lightfoot from the right like Willie Wilson uh, has an opportunity because they're not gonna consolidate like all the other forces in the Chicago political. Lefties aren't gonna vote for Paul Vallis. There's a lot of lefties in the city of Chicago. So they'll either sit out the election or they'll be so disgusted with a right-wing candidate They'll vote for Lori Lightfoot, but Sophia King has the potential. That's just my gut level feeling, uh, up front, uh, when she announced Oh, she's got a lane. As they said. so I always go, all the consultants go, do they have a lane to victory, Ben? Do they have a lane to victory? Uh, so I do believe she has a lane, whether she can get there. I do not know so much is going to happen between now and then. There's so many variables out there, but I could see, uh, why she would want to do it. I could see why she thinks she can do it. And, uh, she kind of reminds me of Lori Lightfoot back in twenty nineteen. Nobody knew the hell Lori Lightfoot was. Nobody knew, you know, she she was a, a blank slate, and so she would come before anybody and pretty much tell them whatever they wanted to hear, and they would fill it in. I remember Lori Lightfoot coming to the old studio for interviews many times. I remember walking in a parade. I' have a picture with Dr. D standing with Lori Lightfoot. and she, he's so tall, Dennis. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Dennis, but Dennis is about six foot two. Lori Lightfoot, of course, as we know, is not that tall. So he's towering over Lori Lightfoot. Candidate Lori Lightfoot. It was in Sue Sadlowski Garza's Labor Day Parade of 29. No, not 2019. Excuse me. Was it 2017? No, no, 2018. By the time comes by, I can't keep track. So uh, and nobody knew who Lori Lightfoot was back then. Now everybody knows who she is. So, you know, kind of reminds me, coming out of nowhere, uh, There's a, she's got a core group of supporters who know who she is. So her job, if she's serious and she's committed, will be just to get out beyond that court just enough, uh, Chris, to pick up enough votes to finish second.
0: All right. Incumbency definitely has its benefits for Lori, but I'm anxious to see how it turns out, so I'm going to keep watching that. But here we go, Ben. I'm going to I'm going to give you a little musical quiz. It's going to be real quick here. Just tell me if you if you know this song, if you know this artist, name that tune. Yeah, it's still alive, eh? Smoking on the Jeep and got me tweaking. <laughs> Do you know who that is, Ben? I'll give you a hint. Uh, They're from Chicago.
2: He's he's from Chicago. He is
0: from Chicago. He's actually uh, well, I'll, I'll get into that in a, a little his, bit. Is his,
2: uh, his initials VM?
0: They are <laughs> a little surprised <laughs> that you know that. Okay, tell him who it is then, since you know Ben.
2: Uh, well, okay, so that's a rapper, Vic Mentz. and know everybody knows this. Uh, knows me, I'm show. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't <laughs> to say I don't listen to hip hop or rap would be uh, an understatement. Uh, But uh, just a Chicagoan, you know, there's like three rappers that every Chicagoan knows because they're from Chicago. And I'll name them. Here we go. These are three rappers from Chicago. Uh, We know who these are. Every baby boomer knows. Okay. So, oh, my God, I could do four. So there's Kanye, Kanye West, Chance, uh, and um, Chance's brother, Taylor. There's three. Well, I don't know if everybody knows him. I just know him because of Chance, Chance Rapper. Uh, And Common is three i uh, think mensa one. is four so there we go hi come on
0: i got who got common out of that I'll, one <laughs> i'll give you some credit that was very good ben so, yeah, so
2: it's a joke Vic... so every baby boomer could tell you those uh for rap. Well, yeah i know a lot about rap common uh and uh i really only know about common from his acting career uh he was in a movie called american gangster i don't know if you ever saw that yeah i saw that one uh, yeah. Who's so your favorite so, of uh, that uh, list of the of the four
0: that you just mentioned or five you just mentioned? Who's your favorite Chicago rapper?
2: Well, I have to tell you, uh, I've not listened to, um, to this is uh, put it mildly. I've not listened to a lot of uh, rap in my life, so I couldn't tell you any songs. But I must concede, I must confess, I have uh, like a, a mini infatuation, obsession with Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, one time I was doing a long car ride uh, with my oldest daughter. We we're crossing the country. Uh, and she was very generous, very nice. She was putting on old people music for most of the time, but then there was that final stretch of the drive We had to get through the desert in Nevada. And she goes, dad, I can't listen to your old music anymore. I got to put on something that, uh, that really gets me going because I'm driving a car and you're just sitting back. So I said, all right. So she put on Kanye West. I think it was called dropout college dropout, something like dropout. that. I'm like, Oh, you know, this isn't bad. <laughs> but the, I'm like, oh yeah. And he had that one song, oh, "Everything I Am." No, "Everything I'm Not" makes me everything. I, I forget the line, but I was like, oh my god, it's so deep and heavy. And it was, it was the one. You know, are you a, f- a fan of Kanye West? I, I am a
0: fan of Kanye a little bit.
2: Do you know the one where he's like, people talk about me in barber shops, whatever that song? And oh, yeah. he goes, and it Common wrote it. He goes, Common. Uh, made the rap and I put the rhyme. Man, I am screwing this one up. Sorry, Kanye. I humbly I Give me credit, Kanye. You're good. You're good. I
0: thought you were gonna go with the uh Kanye. Did a cover of the Daft Punk song "Harder, Faster, Stronger." You've heard that boom. boom, I, boom I do. Yeah,
2: boom, boom. you I know, know that,
0: that song. You know Daft Punk. Yeah. I know you do. Yeah. So check that song out after the show.
2: Well, no, I see. So at bowling, there's a uh, contingent of guys who love Kanye West. So I hear a lot of Kanye, and that one that the Jay Z. Anyway, so, point is and I'm just fascinated with Kanye West's persona. I watched that documentary about Kanye West. So, uh, and then his bizarre uh, dance he did with Donald Trump, where he went in the white house and sat down and he brought Jim Brown with him. And they started talking about Larry Hoover, uh, who's the one of the, the founders of the gangster disciples and how he wants Trump to let him out of prison. I'm like, this is so absurd what I'm watching. It's almost surreal. And who else but Kanye West would attempt such an endeavor and not Chris be punished by guys as popular and wealthy as there. And then I watch his thing with Kim Kardashian. I could talk about Kanye West all day. So, yes, I admit I have a bit of uh, an obsession with Kanye West. And I remember in 2019 uh, when Chance the Rapper uh, got involved in Chicago politics, Con- he dragged Kanye in for like half a second. Uh, and to make an endorsement, and then um, kind of just said, oh, no, "This is boring." And I mean, he doesn't live in Chicago anymore, ladies and gentlemen. You realize that, right? He doesn't live in Chicago. Anymore. Anyway, uh, I know Vic Mensa uh, uh, is another prominent Chicago rapper. So yes, yeah. So welcome. and he's also a, a
0: former high school student at uh, Whitney Young. So, you're a big high school Chicago high school guy. You
2: like to know where everybody went. All right, I'll give you another one. What elementary school did he go to? Oh, <laughs> you hey man you're asking the wrong guy
0: he went to whitney young it's
2: true yes Uh, he played for a group uh called kids these days he was the lead singer for kids these days uh and kids these days had a guitar player named liam whose dad is peter cunningham who's a regular on this show pc i see you uh and uh i believe Vic mensa went to little lincoln uh, which is Grant Lincoln Elementary School in the north side of Chicago, and his basketball team played against the team I coach, so that's how I know that.
0: Well, he's come a long way from Lincoln Elementary School, Ben. He's got uh, a new line of cannabis coming out in Chicago called 93 Boys. 93 Boys is Chicago's first black-owned cannabis brand and is the first to pair top-shelf genetics with a core mission focused on giving back to the community.
2: Yeah. yeah so so this- let me say this about that. Uh, welcome to the game. Dick Mensa, uh, I'm happy that there's now one black-owned uh, cannabis firm here in the state of Illinois. Uh, as everybody knows, listen to this show, we were pounding this drum for months. I mean, I, it's hard not to be completely cynical and jaded about just the way reefer is used uh, in politics, uh, how it's been used my, pretty much this entire century. Let's just, well, my entire lifetime, but let's just talk about this century, which is now 22 years old. When this century uh, was ushered in and uh, Vic Mensa would have been like what, seven years old. Okay. So think about that uh, reefer, marijuana, whatever you want to call it. Cannabis was very much illegal and, uh, and yet everybody did it. It's one of the great hypocrisies in our country. Pretty much everyone I know, and I'm talking about white people now, uh smoke reefer or they had smoked it or they have been in rooms where other people were smoking it. And yet officially, they had to pretend as though they never did it or would never d- would do it because they're law-abiding citizens. They were giving people drug tests to get a job at the Chicago Tribune to be a reporter. And you couldn't get the job if you were, uh, came up positive with a marijuana test. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? What does marijuana intake have to do with your ability to write a story? Yeah. And by the way, you're not even high when you go to work. You could have smoked it the night before, you're sobered up and you go to work, but it's still in your system. Makes no freaking sense. Okay, I could see. You don't want maybe the pilot of the airplane that's flying you to be high? What do you care if an editor who's copy editing some story uh, is high? But that's that drug war. This like insidious drug war that, that controlled the mentality of so many people in this country. And law and order was the topic of the land. And folks are like three strikes and you're out. So people are going to jail for many, many years, destroying families and communities and lives for some like, stupid hypocritical a ban on marijuana. Again, even though marijuana, they all smoke it or have smoked it or been in a room when someone smoked it. And it was always black people. This is something that Mick Dumpkin and I, shout out Mick, when we got on this story, we uh, did the, we called it the grass gap. Actually, an editor came up with that. The number of black people arrested for, for possessing reefer as opposed to the number of white people. Big difference, big gap. Like routinely, black people were being arrested for something that white people did all the time. White people did it so much that they thought it was legal. In fact, Chris Shroggy, I'm going to tell you this story. Oh, I wrote an article uh, denouncing the, the race gap. And, uh, and said, you know, I was like advocating legalization of marijuana This is years ago. And a stoner that I know, and I'm not going to name names. Okay. Uh, who was in the same bowling league. Uh, I can I was in, came up to me, very smart guy. And he was high as hell when he came up to me, when he said this, cause he got high every day. And he goes, I've been reading your articles about legalizing uh, marijuana. And he goes, uh, and in this stage, it was before out and out legalization. So it was, uh, what did they call it? Uh, they had some
0: Decriminalization.
2: Um, I think yeah, de- thank you, Chris. Decriminalization. So they were going to uh, ticket you and give you like a $50 ticket. Decriminalization. So he goes, mm-hmm. and he said this to me, man. I, it just blew my mind when he said it. Again, he was high at the time, so he was seeing the world and all its dimensions. So he said to me, he goes, I don't know if I'm for uh, decriminalization. And I go, why? He goes, well, I'm white. So right now, marijuana is legal. If you decriminalize it, it won't be legal for me anymore and I'll have to pay a fine. And so, it would be worse than what it is now. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. For once in my life, to quote Stevie Wonder, I couldn't say anything. I didn't know what to say. I mean, just the blatant privilege in that statement and his indifference to it and the social cost to everybody else who was getting swept up. I guess I had to thank him for his honesty. And uh, then go back to bowling. So that's the attitude. So out of nowhere, it's like a ball rolling down a hill. As it started going, the, it picked up speed. And uh, Democrats uh, made marijuana uh, legal in this state, and you suddenly turned it over to um, corporations. You can get licenses. You could sell it. You have dispensaries. I was urging, them, okay, black people have taken the hardest hit for this war on drugs. For 20 years, let's put black people at the front of the line to get these licenses. Let's put them up right front. Let's, for once, make it an advantage in this country to be black in terms of the law, in terms of the government, in terms of police. But somehow or other, Chris, we've been legal now for what two years, and so these mega corporations (laughs) get the license, got the dispensaries, got the grow houses. I'm like. Are you freaking kidding me? So, Vic Mensa, God bless you. Good luck. I hope you make even more money than you already made. I hope you use it to uh set up black owned dispensaries throughout the city so you know, spread the wealth. Uh and that's how that's my attitude about this.
0: Now, here's my million dollar question though for you, Ben. It's for the community. It's been like 40 years since you've, I mean 30 years plus since you've uh since you've what do they say? Uh, pass the yeah. Uh So would you, for, since it's for the community and it's putting money back into, into what you were just talking about, into fixing this problem, would you take a toke?
2: Oh, okay. It's, so, it's cannabis for a cause. That. Okay, so I, would I buy Vic Mensa's brand? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but here's the question I have for you. So, folks, I'm going to uh, let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> so uh, at some point uh, in uh, Chris's uh, career, uh, he had a gig uh, working at, he told, I just learned this, I think it was yesterday, Chris, you revealed this to me, uh, working at a dispensary, I think in downstate Yeah, downstate. outside of St. Louis somewhere. Okay. Uh, I, I had a like, wow, I did not know that. And so I suddenly was filled with questions. Like, go, well, what did you do? And he was one of the things he did is would be a salesman. All right. And, uh, and that's when Chris revealed to me the discrepancy, uh, once again, the salesman, uh, made very little money uh, compared to the amount of money coming in. So there was like a scam going there. I think it was like you told me $15 an hour. Is that yeah, correct, I mean, right, Chris?
0: Right around there. I mean, they pay you just like any – I mean, most jobs now are at about that $15 an hour wage. They, that's kind of what they, you have to pay people to show up anymore. Unfortunately, that's – with COVID and and everybody being able to work from home, that's the way that went. But you're right. There's still a very, very corporate side of it. It's not like a grassroots movement of small mom-and-pop – black owned and and other minority owned businesses it's big money that's around all right
2: so i'm not giving away any secrets uh chris and dennis are old friends together they're good and they very much come out of the marijuana culture all right let's just put it that way uh so when you were working for and we're not naming any names okay uh so when you were working for this corporate entity that ran uh this legal marijuana dispensary did it uh have anything remotely resembling the, the marijuana culture that drew you and Dennis to reefer way back when?
0: It, it, when you talk about like a night and day situation from when you first, I mean, you're a, a teenager or a, a college student just, just out there. It's the early 2000s. Um, your experience is usually you go over to some guy's house. <laughs> it's kind of like everything's a bit disheveled. Um, he offers you some cheesy puffs. Uh, and then asks you what you're looking for and it was it's very different now it's like going into an apple store i mean essentially the the biggest thing that was uh that was unique to me that I didn't expect was how many people like your age and and even older that would come in with no experience with cannabis and they would just be like, "Hey, uh, where do I start what do i what do i do i don't I don't know what I'm supposed to get. Do I need this? Do I need that and then you just kind of that's the best part about um that type of a job is if you are experienced in it and you know what the different products are, you can really kind of make sure people have a good experience and not a bad one. Because you, I mean, I think you've even mentioned to me, Ben, you've had a bad experience or two, not bad, but not great experience with cannabis and life.
2: Well, I was a big uh, heavy reefer smoker in the, in the 70s. And, uh, and as we kicked into the 80s, in fact, if you went to college with me, you would go, oh, that's that pothead. Uh, that's kind of what I was. Uh, and i I loved the uh, the culture of marijuana, et cetera, and so forth. I love like cheats and Chong and Grateful Dead songs, Reaper High Marvin Gaye, the what's going on opens up with a party. everyone's clearly stoned. so you know, I really into the culture of marijuana um and then it just I don't know, man. it was just like, I hear it. I was like uh, Larry David in that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where he smokes the reefer and he gets really paranoid. And I was like, oh, God, it's just like I'm worthless. I don't do anything. All I do is smoke reefer. (laughs) So I I just quit because it made me so paranoid. So I'm out. That was 40 years ago since I last smoked. Okay, but now everybody who smokes goes, you know, Ben. Uh, and it is the analogy you gave to uh, a baby boomer buying a computer is hilarious when they go to an Apple store and they go, oh, let me help you, sir. And they, you know, they like reduce it to the basics because uh, they think you're an idiot. But, um, uh, but a lot of boomer, we, we did that show, the cannabis conversation, Lisa Salma will come on and all these different uh, marijuana uh, operators would say, Ben, I got some stuff that you, I'm going to get it to you. Uh, it won't make you paranoid. It's a special strain that doesn't make you paranoid. I'm like, who would want the strain that makes you paranoid? I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Is there a strain that makes you paranoid? Like, oh, yeah. Why would anybody want that? Yeah. That's that was my first question. But they assure me there's a special strain uh, that won't make you paranoid. Now you had a you sold the stuff yeah. literally, you yeah. know, with, legally at a store.
0: Legally. Uh, legally.
2: No so is there a rap that you have for someone like me? Oh, Ben, this is the strain for you, not paranoid strain. Is there such a thing that's actual
0: i mean here's the thing it's it's really complex and we could spend an entire show just talking about the science of cannabis and what makes people have different reactions so a lot of people it really depends on your mind too as well like some people have an adhd type uh mindset so it's just the way their brain works and chemically if you smoke certain types of cannabis that will make you more energetic whereas most people that would make very sleepy So there's so many different things and there's so many uh, different elements in the cannabis plant that it really is kind of like, I don't want to compare it to when you're at the doctor and they're trying different medications, but realistically you have to kind of figure out which ones work best for you because there's not enough science behind it uh, to tell you, oh, these uh, terpenes, which are basically the flavors, are going to have as much of an effect as the THC that's getting you high. There's all kinds of different parts of the plant. so. It's so complex that I I just say um, it's really interesting to try even if you don't want to try it. Like you don't have to try it. You can just learn about the stuff. Um, not everybody. Not, smoking pot's not for everybody. I don't think it's so, some should be for everybody. But it's one of those things where the more you learn about it, especially if all the experience you had was twenty or thirty years ago, it's night and day as to what the cannabis industry is now. So and it's and it's getting better. So, as far as finding you a non-paranoid strain Ben, I'm sure I'm sure we can do. I actually I'll bet Vic's got a, a strain right, that Vic. will
2: I'll probably, out I will this buy uh, if I'm going to go out and buy, one, I'll buy Vic Mensa's support of Vic Mensa, proud graduate of Lincoln Elementary School, proud graduate of Whitney Young High School, uh Chicago's own Vic Mensa and uh the the first and only as far as I know black owned uh, Illinois uh a marijuana producing company. So good for you, Vic Mensa. Uh, so I go, if I'm going to, I'll have someone, I will not name names, take me there uh, to buy it. Uh, and uh, they'll know what they're talking about. You
0: don't even have to say, you know, a guy anymore. You can just Google it. Like, where do I no, find no, cannabis <laughs> near me? And it'll be like, ah, cool. You used well, you know, to, back in the have... day, you used to be like, Hey man, can you talk to your buddy for
2: me? <laughs> like... You know what? I still have it. Like old habits are hard to break. Yeah. And this is the point that I began and I'll end with it. Uh, that back in the start of the century, we all had to pretend like we didn't know anything about it. So we'd be watching a TV show and all the characters in the TV show or movie and all the characters in the movie would be smoking up, lighting up and we would be laughing at it, you know, but then when we got to work and dealt with people in the official world, we had to pretend as though we had we knew nothing about it. And then all, like if you had a breakthrough, then you could like have a real conversation with a fellow worker, or, you know, hey, you, let's go, you know what I mean? You have your little secret. It was such a strange, bizarre way of dealing with the world. It's just kind of like I can make a political metaphor, if you will, the powerlessness of people. How we go along with the official laws and rules in our country, (laughs) breaking them quietly on the side, you know, knowing, well, I'll never get busted for this. And not really caring if some black guy got busted for it because it doesn't affect you. So that's kind of like the contradiction of marijuana. And I still have it in my head. So like I say, wow, I know people. I like think I know a whole bunch of people who could take me and lead me through. But I want to name them. You know what I'm saying? Because It's not like if I go, oh, I want to buy a really good bottle of whiskey. You know? Yeah. So, hey, Dennis, I will say openly, come help me. Well, Dennis, I don't know if he knows anything about whiskey. But I would, if he did, I'd go, come on, help me. You know, we would not be shy about promoting that. But still, that bias against reefer. You know what I mean? It's like in there. And when
0: you really think about it, when you were just talking about coming full circle, think about who limited the the ability for cannabis to be legal. Think about uh, the president who left office and was very disgraced when he left. What was his name? Um, oh, Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon. That's right. Oh, so, so Richard Nixon puts this in place. And for the last 50, 60 years, we've all been just kind of like living in this world where we have to pretend that it doesn't exist or that we don't know people that do it or that we don't do it. And I'm glad that that's starting to change. Uh, But it's like you said in the beginning of this, uh, it's got to change more so for the people that have been most affected by it. It can't just change for the the Chris's of the world that occasionally toke up and never really had a major problem with police from it. Uh, There's people that literally get thrown in jail for a joint. And that's very good. Disgusting.
2: Well put, and I love the word, how uh, he inserted the word occasionally into that sentence. Uh, <laughs> very well done, Chris. All right. By the way, very well done all week, uh, Chris Schroggi, Let's give the studio uh, applause for a great job sitting in uh, for a man who uh, really does his job well, the Dr. D, uh, who's taking a week off. I will be uh, uh, taking next week off, a much-deserved uh, vacation. Thank you, listeners, for saying that. and agree with that. Uh, but we have plenty of shows that uh, we record pre-recorded. Uh, and we'll be dropping them throughout the week, uh, along uh, with some uh, classics from the past and on return. What date would that be? Uh, let's see. I'm going to look up August 23rd, I want to say. And I've already booked that show, that guest. Uh, oh, John Nichols. Uh, very uh, happy to say this. John Nichols, veteran uh, political reporter, uh, lefty uh, for the nation uh, based in Wisconsin, really knows his politics. Shout out to Frank uh, for helping connect us. Uh, he will be our first guest when we come back uh, from our vacation. So uh, I'm going to enjoy it. I'll be really mellowed out reefer, without even reefer, just just chilling and not talking every day for hours uh, will mellow me out. So, Chris, thank you very much for doing an outstanding job uh, and uh, sitting in for the great Dr. D. Uh, and I'll close by saying to you what I always say to Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.
0: And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download your favorite podcasts.